treating your Twitter feed as just like a link farm is just like one of the most basic things that I, I see pretty big brands doing sometime where, and like you'll scroll through their account, like zero engagement, a ton of followers, but like one or two likes on, on their little link posts. So like, that's probably like the most basic thing that I see a lot of brands and a lot of marketers do wrong. Turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests... Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn them Welcome back to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, it would mean the world if you would subscribe or share to your socials. Today, I'm joined with one of my favorite followers on Twitter. He runs the Morning Brew Twitter account, which he has accrued over 115K followers on. I'm excited to welcome Twitter legend Toby Howe to the podcast. Welcome, Toby. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. and. Yeah, I think you you got the most updated Twitter account. So Twitter account, so that's good. I think we're at 115.5 at this point. <laughs> yeah, you crushed it. I remember just a couple of months ago you guys were racing to 100k and now you're already over 115k. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I want to kick it off and how did you get into the marketing social space? Yeah, it's probably not a typical story. So I was hired, well, I guess I'll start right out of college. Um, I was an English major, kind of left college with no real plan or no real, yeah, like direction for my career and joined a small sports marketing startup in, in Portland, Maine of all places. And there we were working with just like a really small number of clients, but I got really good at cold emailing because like part of my job was just like reaching out to a ton of brands to see if they wanted to work with uh, kind of like the properties we represented. And after like kind of honing my cold emailing abilities, I sent a cold email to um, the Morning Brew co-founders, Alex and Austin, saying I was actually pitching them like a new newsletter vertical, like a sports, the sports brew. They responded to my email, said like, this sounds cool. We're probably not going to do a sports brew, but we'd love to get you in for an interview for like the daily writing role, which is just being one of the writers of Morning Brew's core newsletter, like our daily newsletter. And so I got hired to be a daily newsletter writer. And then about a month into doing that, our social media coordinator for the Morning Brew left. And I just kind of slid into the, the DMs of, of um, Samir, our, our head of content. So like, hey, can I grab the, the passwords to like the Twitter and Instagram accounts? And like credit to them, they turned over the passwords to a, a, a very green, like one month into to his career at, at Morning Brew said like, sure, go, go with it. If you have some ideas, like let's, let's see what you can do. So yeah, I guess prior to that, I had no real social experience, experience, but definitely had this idea in my mind of what I thought Morning Brew's like Twitter presence and like Instagram presence could be. And so I was just executing on what I wanted to see as like a fan of the Morning Brew. And yeah, it's been it's been quite the journey since. Like I think we've gone from 
26,000 to 115,000 in a little under a year. So it's been a, it's been a good journey. That's awesome. And one thing I love to hear is like people underestimate like the power of like a cold email and the power of like just asking, like you just went for it and asked to be pitched something it mm-hmm. turned into something different, but still created a good relationship with like a solid company. So that's mm-hmm. awesome to hear. I want to dig into this question because I like to ask everybody this question, but what are most marketers doing wrong? And we can do what most marketing is doing, doing wrong on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an interesting inversion because I, there's plenty of people I think are doing stuff, right? There's, there's like a few levels of things that I, I see people doing wrong and like the most basic level of what they're doing wrong on Twitter is just like treating it as like a link farm which is you maybe write content for a blog or maybe you have like a a product offer that you want to get out and you'll like post a picture and then like put a link on there. And they're like, the thinking is like, okay, I want to drive traffic to like my website so then I can like eventually drive sales. And like to a certain extent, you, you'll drive a a minuscule amount of traffic, but like uh, people always say that people who are on Twitter want to stay on Twitter. Like they don't want to leave Twitter. They, they clicked on it for a reason. So like treating your Twitter feed as just like a link farm is just like one of the most basic things that I, I see pretty big brands doing sometime where, and like you'll scroll through their account, like zero engagement, a ton of followers, but like one or two likes on, on their little link posts. So like, that's probably like the most basic thing that I see a lot of brands and a lot of marketers do wrong. Yeah. And then I guess like the next kind of sin is people forget that it's like social media is meant to like people resonate with brands that treat social media like social media. And so like I was a native social media user, like digitally native, like always online. And so like I grew up using social media. So I just treat the Morning Brew account very similar to how I would treat a, like my own personal account and like posting like a human, sounding like a human, sounding like a human who's used social media before. These are all things that I think brands sometimes overthink and try to like refine their copy too much or like get enough, get a hashtag in or, or do these things when it, it comes across as inauthentic and like inorganic. That's a good uh, point because Gary Vee, he made a, a statement, I think in his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. He said that a lot of people treat social media like an email distribution channel instead mm-hmm. of like a storytelling channel, which I think is so true. And it's, it's a lot of social media, even LinkedIn's like that too. I think they think it's like a place like, Oh, here's another place that I can post my blog posts. Like, mm-hmm. Or instead of saying, here's another place where here's a place where I can build a community, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty, it's, it's, it's so crazy that people are still in that mindset, but mm-hmm. I want to start in to dig, dive into like how you grew the morning brew. Like how did, what are some tips of like growing a following like the morning brew has? Yeah, there, there's kind of a variety of inflection points over like our, our growth history. And like the very first inflection point was literally like the very first day I had control of the account. I said, drop, I, I tweeted out like drop your company name below and we'll tell you what it do, what you do without looking. And this was like the first 
chance that I had to like show off the the voice that I wanted Morning Brew to have. And like that thread at the, t- at the time, like I thought that tweet went super viral. It had like a thousand responses and like 300,000 impressions or something like that. But like a bunch of brands popped in and, and they just said like, do, do us. And we would just, I was just firing literally from my phone, these literally like kind of snarky replies about like what their company name implied they did. And so like that was kind of like our coming out party is like, this is the new, new voice of morning brew Twitter. And like that day alone gained like a thousand followers just because people are like, Oh wow. Like, okay. Morning brew is like channeling the voice that they have in their newsletters on a Twitter now. Like let, let's, let's go. But yeah, it's like follower growth is something that obviously like consistency helps. And like we average around like, like 350 followers a day. And that's just on days where we are, I don't know, nothing goes super viral. It's just like solid tweets, like four or five tweets a day. We'll just kind of fluctuate between like a hundred and 300 followers. But then like the real growth moments are when like, I'll say we had like a feud with, with Dave Portnoy of, of Barstool, which is like, I had been like kind of nudging him for a long time. Cause like, he's like anti Warren Buffett. He's been, he's been big in the, in like the finance Twitter space. And so like, we finally got him to like engage and had like three or four tweets go back and forth where like basically feuding. And it was something that I had been trying to do for a while, but like, that little feud, I think gained, we gained over 4,000 followers in like 24 hours. And like those little moments of just massive growth, like you just have to be ready to seize and just be like very nimble and like ready to capitalize on, on these big like exposure moments. So yeah, it's been kind of like a, a combination of the steady, like 300 followers a day growth. And then like those massive, like 10, 10 X days where like something goes super viral, you hit like a sweet spot in the algorithm and, and you gain like 4,000 followers in one day. I want to talk about the capitalizing part. Cause I think brands underestimate this part of it. I think like, like, yeah, you can pose and grow a couple followers here and there, but like when you have momentum, like it's the time to like, kind of like step on the gas instead of pull back and like let that tweet or something go, keep going. Cause the biggest times, and I, I know you probably, I've seen you tweet about this, but the biggest times of growth are when you do hit those three, four tweets that go like four or five, 6,000 million impressions. Like, so like, how do you stay nimble to capitalize on those moments? Yeah. I mean, th- this goes back to my previous point is like behave like a natural, like a normal social media user, which is so like, I'm constantly like, I kind of run the morning brew Twitter account, like a personal account where I'm seeing what people are saying. Like I'm, it's like a massive account now, but I still like read almost every reply we get almost every like notification that's coming in. So like, I'm very tapped in, like people call it social listening, which to me, I think is like kind of a ridiculous term because that's just like basically scrolling through your notifications and like seeing what people are saying. I like very much am constantly monitoring like the flow of of just like what people are, how people are interacting with, with the brew account. And so that just allows me to, in case something happens, anything happens, I'm just there and like 
I'm not scrambling to like catch up to like the moment because I'm always in the moment, which is another conversation about kind of like unplugging and like the mental health aspect of it. Like I've been struggling to balance that, but yeah, it, it just, I never feel unprepared to like dive into any moment that's happening on Twitter because I'm very much like in the flow and like always online, if you will. Yeah, I think that is a an interesting topic about social media is that like even when I I've seen like from my growth on like LinkedIn and stuff like that, it and I had to be consistent and I had to be kind of like always replying and always on mm-hmm. to like keep it going. But it also like I feel like I'm on all the time. Like I'm literally like the most the, my top three apps are the top three apps that social apps I use every single day. So it's like, and they're like scary number of hours <laughs> that I have yeah. on there. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty hard because it's like, how do you, I feel like you need to have someone who's like a backup plan. I mean, personal brand is different, but a backup plan to, um, either like cover for you or like be okay with losing some engagement and followers for a little mm-hmm. bit. So yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely like a, a battle, and I try to make a point to never like scroll mindlessly or be like mindlessly on social media because I think there's a difference between being on social media and like looking, being on the lookout for content or intentionally trying to find content to post about basically versus just eyes glazed over like scrolling because like that's what you're used to doing so i very much tried to avoid the the mindless scrolling and like keep it in in that realm of intentionality so that's like one way i've dealt with it i want to go dig into the point of like these ideas you come up with like how do you like find the best content? Like what are some tips to like stay ahead of the trends? And then also where do you have like some sort of like swipe file or like a somewhere where you keep like inspiration so you, to ever use, or is it like on the go? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I definitely use social media to like inform my, my posting. So like, I'm just, constantly looking out to what other people in our our kind of twitter niche like the finance twitter niche um what they're doing what they're posting about like what's getting traction and also it it helps that we're a news outlet so like the news cycle is constantly providing content for us so like i think that especially for like a social media account like morning brew going with the flow and like not having too much pre-planned content and just like reacting to the, the day's news. Like it's a never ending stream of content. So like checking Bitcoin's price can sometimes lead to like four or five pieces of content just because like, I know that resonates with people if it's going way up or way down. Like that's, I tweeted that today. It's just like such an easy day for me on Twitter because there's so many, there's unlimited like Bitcoin jokes to make at all times. So yeah, it's just, I, I use the new cycle and I use people in our niche to, to kind of like inform my content. And then there's a second part of your question. I, I forget it. Yeah. Like, do you like swipe them and put uh, them in like a, like a folder or what, like, how do you like keep that stuff organized when you come up with ideas or is it just on the fly? Like you'll see it, you post it. Yeah. I wish I was more organized than I was, but like a very 
like non-technical way I like keep track of tweets it sometimes is like if I see a meme or I see like a, a trend that's going around that I can't use at the exact moment sometimes I'll like DM it to myself on my like personal account or like vice versa on the morning brew account sometimes just scrolling back through like my own dms to myself like that's a source of inspiration to me then i also have like friends on twitter who are constantly dming me things so it's honestly like my twitter dms is is the place where i like store stuff and like think about stuff it's not exactly the most exact science but again it just feels like very natural and like i love i I would rather interact with twitter in like an organic way than and then try to like force myself to like turn it into a more exact science if that makes sense yeah i mean it it definitely keeps like the authenticity piece Mm -hmm. of twitter in there i think also one thing i wanted to bring up is do you think that you constantly being on social and constantly posting like build like your muscle to like be able to like be creative on like the fly because I think like for me at least or like other creators I've heard like it's like the first couple days in the gym like you get back you kind of like it's hard but like once you like get into like a rhythm like you can like kind of like spit out tweets like how does that like creativity come to you yeah I I guess I'll kind of extend your your gym metaphor because I don't think it necessarily becomes easier to like come up with ideas i think that the thing that helps me the most is just like in a gym like muscle confusion where you want to do as many you can't just do tricep dips every single day like that that won't help your triceps it will just like kind of burn them out you need to do like different things that work them out in different ways and so like what i love about like my current role at morning brew is like the majority of my time is actually spent writing the newsletter And like, that's a very different sort of like creative muscle that I'm flexing. It's, it's writing. It's, it's like long form ish writing like 300 to 150 word pieces. And so I'm constantly flexing that muscle. And then like the Twitter muscle is being developed through that writing process. And like that sort of varied creative process helps me a lot because if I just had to stare at a screen and come up with tweets all day, I don't think I would be as creative or as effective as writing for like four hours a day and then tweeting for like the other four hours a day. That sort of like varied creativity is, is something that helps me a lot for sure. That's interesting. Yeah. I think like a lot of people say like, you need like the inputs to have the outputs and definitely like writing and constantly building the writing muscle in general. That's like something. And I guess like, from all the stuff that you're probably consuming for the newsletter, it just constantly builds like different points of connection in your brain going into like the persona side of things. I know like that's like part of like, well, part of I've heard that part of morning brew secret source is like hiring people like you. And then part of the secret sauce is like the persona based thing. So how do you like, do you feel like you embody like the morning brew listener or, or like reader, or do you feel like you have to get into like that mindset of like the morning brew persona um, that they have there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I, this is again, where I'm very lucky is that I am morning brew is kind of like core demographic and core psychographic. Like the newsletter is very much geared towards people like me. 
same with like the Twitter account is it's geared towards, I try to create content that I'd want to see. So yeah, I, I like, there's kind of a saying like, don't make the mistake of assuming every one of your customers is like you, but in like morning brews case, it very much, I, I do believe it's very much true. And like our, like the, the 20 to like 30 year old, like aspiring young professional, like that's exactly who we want to reach. And like, that's exactly who I am. So yeah, it's not, I don't have to put on a, a different like hat or a different like persona, which I I'm very grateful for because like, it would be hard to try to like turn on this muscle. Like if it wasn't me every day. Um, but thankfully I just kind of tweet for myself and tweet like myself. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think, I mean, that's also easier to be like authentic all the time mm-hmm. and not, I find it hard, like, because like, and I give credit to all the great copywriters out there that have to like literally become in the persona of someone and write like someone that they're not, which is so hard to do. Like they have to write like their audience, which is such mm-hmm. a hard task. So I give a shout out to any copywriter that does that very well. I want to get into like how because i think you guys do something really interesting that a lot of brands should do more of is like bringing in your the personal brands of every person in the company as a part of your social strategy so how did that like come into play where everybody started building or was like a natural progression that like morning brew like employees were like also part of like the brand yeah it was actually like more of a natural progression than than most people think. But that being said, so like our two, our co-founders, like Alex and Austin, were very bullish on social media and very bullish on like Twitter, especially from like the beginning. And I mean, like, especially Austin, like Austin's obsessed with Twitter. And like, it's, it's like a running theme throughout our company that he's obsessed with Twitter. Um, and then Alex has like grown in stature in Twitter over time. And so like having the two like lead faces of, of the company put such a emphasis and like prioritize like building their own brands, like inevitably empowers people below them to, to do the same. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I felt emboldened to when I had 400 followers to share social media tips that I was like picking up along the way. And I don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for like the people above me also sharing what they were were learning. Yeah. And then after that, like more and more people within the company started like building up their own personal brand. So it was kind of like a domino effect, but it wasn't like some content meeting where we all sat down and like, all right, everyone, like, let's build your personal brand. Like let's do two tweets a week talking about morning brew stuff. Because again, I don't think you can, you can force like personal brand building in that way. Like it has to be something that, the person themselves feels comfortable with and is something that is sustainable and is something that's natural and organic. So yeah, I think it's, it was more of something that bubbled up because of how morning brew was just like being led at at the top of the company. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it does stem from the top down, like leaders need to show that employees it's comfortable for employees to do that type of thing. The one thing I think that you guys have done that's really interesting and I would like to get like how you even thought of this like creativity side of it is like owning an emoji. Like I think that is like, I know like a lot of people on Twitter have talked about this, but like Morning Brew owns like that cup of coffee emoji. Like how did that come about that everybody started putting that in their Twitter? 
Yeah. So I actually stole that from Andrew Yang, um, who I'm sure probably stole it from someone else. But yeah, when like Andrew Yang was doing his like presidential bid, the Yang gang all had like the the blue hat, like blue baseball cap emoji. And that was just like the easiest and quickest way that people, if someone random commented on your post, but they had a blue hat emoji, you're like, oh, that like that's a Yang follower. And like the instantaneous like association with a community and like a, a brand, if you will. Like I just thought that was so powerful. And so when I took over the Morning Brew account, I made like a conscious push to, I actually used a few giveaways we did. So where we, we did like seven days of giveaways where we gave away seven um, of our like uh, Morning Brew branded sweatshirts. And I basically said like, hey, we're going to be inclined to pick people who add a coffee cup to their, to their name and like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then I picked seven people who had coffee cup emojis in their, in their name. And so like, that was like a big initial kind of like, this is us, like, this is the community we're going to build. And then like from the, but now people associate with everybody at morning brew has the, the coffee emoji in their bio, everyone who works there. And like, that was interesting. I, I only told, I only told Alex to put the coffee cup emoji in his bio. Like I didn't tell anybody else. Like I didn't slack people and say like, Hey, like we're going to try to do this. I just like kind of let it happen. And now like everyone inevitably ended up putting the coffee cup emoji in their bio and like every new hire now it's become a thing. We're like, Oh, I can't wait to like put my coffee cup emoji in. Like, again, it's not, it's not me telling new hires to do that. It's just like, the community aspect has taken over to the level that I wanted it to. And like, it's super exciting to see it like playing out in real time. Like that one intentional moment of like, we're going to own this emoji has now like rippled out to we legit own this emoji. And it's like played out exactly how I, I wanted it to, which is exciting to see. Which is also cool to think about is like, I think, a lot of things in Matthew, you follow him, and I know he's mm-hmm. one of your favorite follows. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's all a lot of it's just like trying things and failing in social media. Like, okay, let's try this emoji. If it doesn't work, like, oh, who who cares? Like, it's it, basically it's about just testing the illogical things that you don't like, no data has supported, but you just want to try it out to see if it works. And if it works, that's what the beauty of social media, I think, mm-hmm. is like. You could test these five and Twitter, especially because it goes away like this. Like you could test something if it works, it doesn't work. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt, to your point, Matt Kovac said something that stuck with me. And he's like, the beauty of social media is that if you post content that doesn't resonate or like bad content, no one will see it. Like the algorithm won't serve it to people. And so that should embolden you even more to try things because like your biggest failures won't be seen by people. So, and your biggest successes will be seen by everyone. So there's literally no reason not to try out like a new, a new strategy or a new like idea because of just like how social media works. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've loved about social media and like the art of like, I think marketing in general is like, you have to embrace failures and and just put the one thing I got from just like, other social media marketers out there that they say like 
every failure should have like a learning lesson. If you're going to test something out, like you got to test a hypothesis that X is going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, like at least share your learnings to everybody else uh, mm. that you've, what you learned from that failure. I want to go into, you wrote like a cool thread, like a couple months ago, maybe more about like, like what you've learned in Morning Brew Twitter, like, could you give like a couple of tips of like the top things that you've learned to maximize Twitter percentage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for that, that thread was kind of like my inflection point on Twitter where I, I posted it on just like a random like Wednesday evening and kind of woke up the next morning to four like four literally four thousand followers from like 400 and i was like whoa like okay so clearly there's like an appetite and demand for this but yeah some of the things in in the thread were yeah one this is like uh the most growth hacky of them all but like i stand by it because like i think it's the easiest way to gain followers i call it hijacking superpowered timelines which we have tweet notifications on for like major players in, in our space, which are like Elon Musk, Mark Cuban, Shamath, these guys who have millions and millions of followers and have like super high engagement. And so like whenever they tweet, if it's like something that I feel like I can riff on or like add our two cents to, I'm one of like the first people in there responding to the tweet. And a lot of accounts do this. Like I'm not the first one to to try this, but it's just like if you had access to an, I mean, Elon has like 50 million followers. If you had access to a 50 million person timeline, then wouldn't you want to like get your, your content on there? So yeah. So like I've had tweets, like simple responses take literally two seconds to write, get multiple millions of impressions and like a couple hundred follows. And then like, it also just associates your brand with kind of like those people, like people kind of like expect to see you there. So that's just like a, a great growth tactic. Um, it's not complicated. It's like not revolutionary, but it's something that's just like extremely effective. I think, I mean, I don't think that is actually like very hacky at all. I think it is a growth hack, but I think like I tell people on LinkedIn the whole time, like if you want to like grow on on LinkedIn, like start commenting on the top, 10 influencers on in your space on LinkedIn and you'll be seen in their feed every single time Mm -hmm. because like I've had when I started that's how I started growing but like I have sometimes my like comments when I go comment on people like have more likes than their actual like LinkedIn posts which feels always good was kind of cocky like thing but to say but it feels good like okay like cool but it's like comments are underrated comments are content too which people don't get like they're very big content production things like people always think like i need to create new content new everything but like comments are like undervalued content that people don't use first of all like for people who don't understand twitter that much like what is a thread and then also like what is your advice of like creating a good thread yeah i mean a thread like a lot of people sometimes don't realize like a thread it's it's its own very unique medium. Like you can't take a blog post and just thread it and like expect it to do well. Like the thread itself, like a a medium of strung of multiple tweets strung together, like on the same idea, if that's how you want to define it, there are very, very specific and like minute details to that medium that you can't just 
copy and paste a long form article and like expect it to perform well as the thread. And so, yeah, I mean, threads have just been a huge growth driver, especially on my personal account, because you're basically just sharing a ton of learnings into a very compressed space. And Twitter has its limitations. Like you only have 280 characters in a normal tweet. So like the amount of information you can convey in one tweet versus 10 tweets, it's yeah. 10 tweets obviously is a lot more, which gives you a ton more surface area and a ton more, it gives people a look into how you think. And so like, that's why when I post a thread, like I know that's going to be a growth driver for me because new people will see how like Toby Howell is thinking and like hopefully follow me from that. But yeah, just like threads as a medium, I love getting into like the tiny details. Like I've found that the first tweet, the second tweet and the last tweet, those house up like 90% of the likes. Like those are where people are going to, cause those are all the three tweets that Twitter shows in like a preview too. It's like the first, second and last. And so like those are the tweets I spend a lot of time on and make sure my first tweets, like kind of like the hook, getting people to like want to read more. My second tweet is like my juiciest nugget of information. Like that's where I'm going to put this, the thing that I think is going to like grab people the most. Like that's where I put the hijack a superpowered timeline. Like that's a really juicy like nugget that people are saying, okay, I'm going to read more. Cause like, I liked that one. And then, yeah, the last tweet is I usually like leaving it on kind of like an uplifting, like empowering message or, or something that says like, okay, you can do this too. Because again, like that's where a tweet's going to get a lot of likes. And then there's just so many little things. Like I've seen someone who knows like, like they bury a juicy tweet in like the middle of a thread and they'll take, if they're numbering the thread, they'll like take the number away because they know people are probably going to retweet that tweet. And it'll be, it'll look more appealing if there's not like a number five in front of it. And so like, they intentionally don't number that tweet while numbering the rest of the tweets. So there's just like all these tiny little details that I'm sure you've found on LinkedIn about like how to optimize for like those first three lines of the text that people see before having to click like see more. So there's just like all these little details that you can like kind of get obsessed with and like take like your thread writing to like the next level. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Like I did, I, I, I've got a couple of threads that have, done pretty well for me just because i and i actually stole like the idea from reading your your thread about twitter so thank you for that but yeah like i didn't i kind of just did it not having any of these tips like i was just like okay i'm gonna take my best linkedin post and change it into a, a a thread and see if it does well on twitter which it's cool like th- this is this is great advice um one thing i also want to go into is uh, also like optimizing like your Twitter bio and stuff like that, like the importance of that and like how to think about that. Cause I think like a lot of people, like this is your chance. Like if someone clicks on your account, like do I follow this account or not? Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So this is a little unpopular, but like I try not to get too caught up with trying to like fully optimize my like header, my, my bio, my profile picture. Ultimately, like that's not going to be what convinces someone to follow you. Like no one's going to follow you purely off your bio unless like, I don't know, you're like the CEO of of Google or something. There's really nothing in there that people are going to see and like instantaneously just like click follow. 
people are going to take a scroll through your feed. They're going to look at your pinned tweet. They're going to look at your recent tweets. And ultimately, what's in those is more important than what's in your bio. And so, yeah, I, I think the pinned tweet is incredibly important, though. That is like the easiest way for people to access your, like, your actual content. And so like, I know every day I'll get like three or four followers of like, I'll see someone like my pinned thread, like the thread that we, we've referenced a few times and then immediately follow me. And like, that's when I know that, okay, it's my content that, that is converting people. And so, yeah, I, I definitely advocate for like keeping a clean timeline, having a good pin tweet over focusing on like your header image, your header or, or your bio. Because like I don't think those play as big a role as people think in converting people to to follow you. That's interesting. I mean, I agree as well. Like for LinkedIn, except like just the lines and the posts that because they actually have like the, the only thing I do recommend people do is like have something in the line of the post because they like in LinkedIn it has like you're in the feed and it says, Oh, I'm the writer at morning brew. Like that's going to tell people like, do I want to mm-hmm. connect with this person? But that's super interesting. Cause I, I don't actually optimize my LinkedIn profile at all that much. Like I just put in like mm-hmm. my header. And then if you want to follow me, like the featured posts are like the key, I think on LinkedIn as well, like have the featured posts. So I like seeing like the comparisons between two platforms. It's pretty interesting. How do you like metric yourself on like social media? Like what are like your key metrics? Like, do you like meet with like the founders and say like, Hey, like my goal was to get this or like, what is like like the metrics you stand by and look at every single day? Yeah. It's actually still pretty informal at, at this point. What What's great is like, we're not trying to drive like a certain amount of newsletter signups. We're not trying to drive like sales of any sorts. Like, there's no true like hardcore business objectives we're trying to achieve with the account right now. And so like that leaves my main objectives being just grow the account and like build a community basically, which, yeah. So like looking at, at the amount of follows that you're, that we're getting, like we're just trying to gain as many followers as possible basically. So I, I don't think that we have to overthink it at this point at, at this stage, because there's not, many other objectives other than, than growth and community that we're trying to build. So those are like the two things I focus on is like, how many followers are we getting? And I, I don't even like looking at like engagement percentage because like Twitter will feed you, this post got 14% engagement, this post got 3% engagement because like I can manufacture posts that will get like a certain percentage of engagement but like that's because of the type of posts they are, not necessarily like the content within them. So like if you have, if you have a Twitter, if you post a picture that like requires someone to click on it to like see what the picture is, then like you're gonna get artificially high engagement numbers just because a bunch of people like clicked on the photo and like Twitter treats that treats that as an engagement. So like I don't even like optimizing for engagement. I do try, like, I think impressions is honestly a better number because for marketing work, like, people need need to see it. And so, like, the more people see our tweets, the more balls we get, like, the brand is built even more. So, yeah, it's definitely, like, followers and impressions that I'm kind of after. That's pretty cool. I think, like, yeah, I think if nobody sees it, it doesn't really matter, right? And that's, like, the key to marketing. 
if you were gonna put like something on a billboard for every Twitter person to see, like what would you like put on the billboard? I just listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast and he, he yeah, he asked the, the same question. Huh. I, I think mine would be tweet like a human because yeah, or like tweet tweet like a human who has used social media. Because I think social media is like so many users just have these inherent BS sensors like built in just from like being on social media, like their whole lives at this point where you can tell when like a brand is like trying to be cool versus a brand that like actually knows social media and like actually understands the platform. I would say like empower your like social media manager or empower whoever's behind the account to like take a step back, like, maybe remove some some layers of like a, a, the approval process and just like let them behave organically on a platform that rewards like organic behavior. So yeah, it'd be a tweet like a human because I, I feel like people are ha- too hamstrung, especially like when they run a brand account. Uh, I mean, super good advice. The famous, I mean, famous copywriters always say like, even in writing, like in Morning Brew does this very well too. Like you feel like there is a human behind the voice, like someone's talking to you instead of like, and having a conversation with you, not like someone's writing at you, which is super, I think super important, which that is, people need to steal that right now. Cause I bet you that tweet would actually go viral if you tweeted that. The last thing I want to leave you with is um, where could people find you and follow you and anything you want to talk about right now? Yeah, I mean, definitely follow The Morning Brew. We're just at Morning Brew on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on LinkedIn too, even though I haven't had that much time to devote to it yet. And then, yeah, follow my personal at Toby Doy Howell on Twitter. Twitter is definitely where I'm most active, but eventually I'm expanding to to more and more platforms and we'll definitely do some LinkedIn um, deep dives this year and try to get more active on there as well. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining. I think like I'm super excited to get this out to everybody to listen to. Thanks for coming on. No, it was awesome. Thanks for having me. Great conversation. Cool.